Buying or selling a home can be challenging, but it doesn't have to be. Heritage Realty makes buying and selling easy. With Heritage Realty, you get local market expertise, one-on-one service, and the support of a network of agents across the area. Heritage Realty cares about the details and goes above and beyond to deliver the service you need. Knowledge is power. Trust Heritage Realty to buy or sell your home. For the newest listings and detailed market reports, visit HeritageRealtyKnox.com. Heritage Realty, where today's technology meets traditional customer service. Studios of Cumulus Media Knoxville. This show belongs to you at 656 9900. 656 9900. The sports you need before sunrise is on the air. You're inside the starting lineup with Tyler Ivins and Will West on 99.1, the sports animal. Hi, good morning to you. Tuesday, TSL 99.1. You're listening to the Sports Animal. Tyler Robbins, Will West at 656-9900, 1-866-656-9900. Another chance for you to score inside the quarters light climb to the championship before 8 a.m. this morning. Uh, I'm going to be honest with you. Last night, we were sitting there watching college basketball. Me and a couple of friends were. And I'm watching Louisville, Florida State, and I thought to myself, man, I just absolutely just bombed this pick. This was supposed to be one of those games where FSU is supposed to, uh, you know, put a flag into the ground and say we're here for a long extended run in the NCAA tournament. Assert their dominance. Yeah, they were down eight at halftime, and I thought to myself, they're going to extend this out to ten. They did. They're going to extend this out to twelve. They did. I said, here's where Louisville now gets back on the map because remember at the beginning of the year, everybody thought Louisville could be that team that could be number one and stay at number one. Well, fifty second half points by Florida State. What I'm trying to simply get at is this. I'm not going to go deep diving in depth of Florida, uh, Louisville last night. But what I am going to say is when you look at the type of competition that Tennessee has played this year, perhaps maybe Tennessee hasn't gotten their best shot when they've played. But when we look back at this season, a lot of people were wondering if the schedule was going to slip a little bit with the loss of Rob Lanier. It hasn't. Tennessee still played decent talent this year. They just couldn't take care of their business when they played these opponents. Example, Florida State, when they were to take on each other uh, down at the um, Emerald Coast Classic. Yeah, it's so it's it's really weird when you look at what the world of college basketball is right now. Because uh, honestly, I mean, it's I have no idea what's going to happen. Down, I did not doubt. Uh, it was a nice win, though, by Florida State. 15-point win. Not just a win, but a beatdown of uh, number 11 Louisville, a team that was on the verge of maybe... Uh, vying with them for their uh to win the ACC title but that was a it was a nice win for them another top 20 team goes down West Virginia loses by 10 to Texas Texas last night I'm going to ask we you got, this. we got Will Wade complaining about the fact that he's got to play what I guess uh 3 days after he has a game on over the weekend and yeah. we had Texas playing Monday after playing on Saturday uh, I'm going to ask you a question, and I want to know if you're still sticking with it, even though we've seen the results when they went head-to-head this past weekend. Are you still putting Kansas and Baylor as both one seeds right now? I Right now you have to based on what they've earned, right? Mm-hmm. I, don't, I do not think those two teams are the four best teams in the nation. I don't think either one of them are among the four best teams in the nation. Uh, Dayton's got a big matchup tonight, and I was trying to explain this to a friend last night about how a team from the A-10 can most certainly be a number one seed, and that you don't see it that often, but the A-10 this year at least has decent talent. Richmond and Rhode Island trying to mm-hmm. fight for one of those, it looks likely to be two at-large spots. 
Gentlemen, is there anybody here right now that has the stones? If I handed you pen and paper right now and a blank sheet with no teams on it, is there anybody here who has the stones to put Dayton in their final four right now? No. Canner, can I put you down for Dayton in your final four? Thumbs down for you. Look, hey, could they get there? Yes. Would I get the, Would I put them there? No. I just look at the landscape of college basketball right now, and I believe the more and more I watch college basketball, the more what it's telling me is that only four or five teams can win this thing realistically. See, I, I go the other way. I think because of the depth of, or because of how how soft it is at the top, I think that you can have as many as ten or eleven teams that could win this thing. And the reason why is just like if you told me. Gonzaga falls to Seton Hall in the in the Elite Eight. Does that mean? And then I end up somehow with Maryland in there. I think Maryland could get it done because I just don't trust any of the teams at the top. I don't think there's a very big difference between number one Kansas and number fifteen Auburn. And I think if they put on a neutral site seven times, uh, it, that thing would go seven most likely. Uh, the, the playoff Fury Wilder three, which apparently we're about to get. We'll get into that more coming up Ugh. on the program today. I know that's what I want to see. You and I both. Which sports heavyweight class are you more confident in, boxing or college basketball? And, of course, when I talk about the heavyweights, they automatically mean the blue bloods. Um, I just don't think it's – look, it's just deeper. I just don't think it's anybody's elite right now. So that's why. Like, I don't think Auburn's a bad team. I don't think Penn State's a bad team. But if you told me Michigan's playing awfully good basketball right yes, now. but a lot if of If you told teams, me Michigan made the Final Four, I'll buy Michigan making the Final Four this year. But, well, a lot of these teams are, to me, feel like that they're dependent on whether or not they're playing in their own zip code or not. Can be. A lot yeah, of these teams have be. shown me so far that they can't play away from their own zip code. Yeah. So you get them on a neutral floor and they've got to win six games in three weekends. I don't know how much I can depend on majority of these teams doing heavy lifting over three. Well, weekends. it's one, one quick note for, for people out there. Um, it's um, when you look at the NCAA tournament, one of the big things that you're, when you're filling out your bracket to look at is away free throws on the road. What is somebody's free throw percentage on the road? Because there are just a lot of teams that you wouldn't believe, but they, they hit free throws at home and they can't hit free throws on the road. And you're playing neutral side games all the time. And so because of that, it's throughout the tournament. That's one of the biggest um, the biggest things that will kind of uh, let you know how a team's go. biggest trends to pay attention to or stats to pay attention to when you're predicting how a team's going to do in the NCAA tournament. How about what's weird is Dayton's not won, not lost at home or on the road. They've only lost two neutral site games. There it is. Remind me the second one. The first one was an overtime to Kansas out in Maui. Yes. And everybody's been wanting that rematch since it occurred right before Thanksgiving. That's why the early speculation is Dayton doesn't get a one seed so they can put them as a two seed in the same region Colorado. as Colorado. Don't know when they would have played Colorado. I don't either. Unless that was that Vegas unless that was that Vegas tournament that they threw together last second. Remind me, maybe not. This is a guy who has done a lot of other things when it comes to Man, different teams some, and numbers. Got some Wi-Fi issues going Point on. Is, Chicago though, Legends tournament. Chicago Legends tournament. I don't remember that game. Yeah, December twenty first. That's exactly why I don't remember that game. Yeah. Uh, so for Dayton, for Gonzaga, for Kansas and Baylor, your likely number one seeds right now with still three regular season games to go. How many of those teams are going to be number one seeds when we get to selection Sunday in? Give or take one month. Give what, or take three weeks. One of Kansas, Baylor, Gonzaga, Dayton, and either Florida State, Duke, or San Diego State for that last spot. If you told me Florida State and Duke played right now to win the ACC title, who are you taking? I, I don't know because I think if you, again, if you played seven games, it would go seven between those two teams. Kansas and Baylor? Uh, give me Kansas on that. I just don't trust Baylor. Five out of seven? Also, best team money can buy. Nick Nolte style. 
He's not lying. His name's Will West. At Will West WNML. At Tyler Ivins. And at 656-9900. We talk hand size and fat athletes. Just what you wanted here on a Tuesday. <laughs> I'm here for all this. Eric King, good morning. Our first Tennessee Lottery Sports Update here on TSL. This is a Tennessee Education Lottery Sports Minute. Now, after a weekend full of upsets, there's a new look AP Top 25 in college basketball Monday afternoon. Kansas resumed the top spot while Baylor and Gonzaga slipped down to two and three. Dayton jumped up to four. San Diego State fell back to five. Florida State, Duke, Kentucky, Maryland, and Creighton rounded out the top ten. Kentucky and Auburn, who checked in at number 15, were the lone SEC schools inside the top 25 this week. Some finals for Monday night. Top-ranked Kansas blew past Oklahoma State 83-58. to Number 6, Florida State, down number 11, Louisville, 82-67. And Texas knocked off number 20, West Virginia, 67-57. And the 12th Lady Ball softball team's home opener at Sherry Parker Lee Stadium against UT Martin has been moved up to tonight, Tuesday, at 6 o'clock. Special edition Jumbo Bucks NC games from the Tennessee Lottery are hot off the press. Play today for your chance to win up to $300,000. It's 6-12. We'll get a check of the roads in about 15 seconds. That'll be with Pete Michaels Traffic. Good morning. I'm Eric Kane. We need sources now these days, Will, when it comes to literally everything in sports. Welcome you back, TSL, for a Tuesday. Fat Tuesday, that is. 99.1, the sports animal. Will, sources tell ESPN that Joe Burrow measured with a nine-inch hand at the NFL Combine. Yes, nine-inch hand. Did you see that Jacob Eason was even less? Not Jacob Eason, uh, Jake Fromm. Jake Fromm? Yeah. Jake Fromm's a big dude, too. That's kind of off-putting. ESPN stats and information last night trying to compare the nine-inch hands of potential, potential number one overall pick to the Cincinnati Bengals when it happens. The length from pinky to thumb was tied for the smallest among first-round quarterbacks measured at the Combine since 2008. Ryan Tannehill and Jared Goff, the other with the hand size, were both instructed by current Cincinnati Bengals coach, Zach Taylor. Yeah. So what do we know about Zach Taylor, head coach of Cincinnati Bengals? Quarterback, hands, like them small. (laughs) So when you hang loose, Will, from thumb to pinky. Smells of cabbage, small hands like a carny. If I had to ask right now, who's got the smallest hands out of the three of us? It's me, right? I don't know. I'm nine and three quarters is where I'm at. We did this a couple of years ago on 180 where we measured them. I was like nine and three quarters. Josh was like nine and a quarter. And I don't know. My my hand and Angel's hand is about the, is the same size. If you, so we did that. We went through that yesterday, and he was fine. Those of you, hopefully you're not driving, look at your hand, palms up. So you have your palms up, and from your pinky to your thumb, that's how they measure how wide <laughs> yes. your hands are. No, I... But okay, when you read this, if you see, I don't know if you saw, you guys talked about saw Scott Pioli talking about, uh, uh, what is Cliff Kingsbury? Mm-hmm. That it was a, one of the worst mistakes he made in the draft was drafting Cliff Kingsbury because his hands were small and he and they're a cold weather. They were a cold weather team. Sure. Uh, I I asked Ainge about this yesterday. How much does it matter that Jake that you know Jake Fromm has eight and seven eighths or whatever it was, and you have um, Joe Burrow with nine inch hands? And he said. I'm, he said it it matters for cold weather and wet weather. He's like it really really does matter. And he said, but I'm not worried about it because of the way that Burrow can throw accurately on the move. I'm not worried about Burrow in that situation, but from my, from maybe a problem. It's funny you bring up the cold weather and small hands. After Joe Burrow tweeted yesterday that he's considering retiring because of the size of his hands. That reigning Super Bowl MVP Patrick Mahomes tweeted him back that his small hands are doing all right. I believe in you. 
while adding three crying emojis. Will the MVP of Super Bowl 54, his hands registered at nine and a quarter inches. So nine and one-fourth inches, small hands. Pat Mahomes is having no problem. Yeah. Again, moving with accuracy. Yeah, Patrick Mahomes. into it And Patrick well. Mahomes can flip it the way that, that he, you know what I mean, that like maybe some guys usually with larger hands do. Um, but, but I do think Mahomes is fine. Kyler Murray, the hand size didn't get in his way last year. Jared Goff, the hand size has not gotten in his way. Um, and it hasn't hurt Teddy Two Gloves. It's not hurt him. Teddy Bridgewater, I think, had nine inch hands as well or nine and a quarter as well. So if you look at the guys with small hands in the in the combine, it's not helped to hurt them a ton. Of the 35 quarterbacks Will West drafted in the first round since 2008, the average hand size, 9 and 7, 10 inches, according to ESPN well, Stat and Info. Real quick, over the past 10 years, only three quarterbacks with 9-inch hands have attempted more than 300 passes. Those three quarterbacks, Jared Goff, Ryan Tannehill, and some guy named Chad Henney, who I have yet started for a fantasy football That's a really big guy to have only nine-inch hands. It's weird. That's off-putting. During that span, none of them had a total QBR (sighs) above 55. See, this is where you lost me is when they they quote a QBR as a real Mm. stat. Um, I I really wish ESPN would stop at that. It's such a stupid stat, but they keep pushing it, man. Um, but it, either way, that but it's I don't know it's some metric. It's a bad metric for quarterback play, but it's a metric for quarterback play. So I'll ask you this: How much does does any of this still matter anymore in a post Kyler Murray world? In a post in a world where we don't care for running, Alvin Kamara can be uh, going to mean a legitimate running back sure. as a smaller guy. Uh, you've got uh, last week last year Hollywood Brown was able to be drafted as a receiver, far too small in the past. Definitely not in that six three two fifteen range or even the six one one ninety range. Under six, under 190. Does it matter anymore? Height, weight, hand size, any of these measurements, do any of them matter? To me, no, they don't. And I'll even take it a step further by saying that there's only two positions in my eyes that you look at for just sheer talent if you don't already know who's going to be the best of the best. Am I wrong by saying that wide receiver and offensive lineman is where I'm going to the NFL Combine to find my next guy? I mean, let's be honest. When it comes to quarterbacks anymore, do any of them even run anymore? Do they even do the accuracy test there at the combine? No, none of them. None of them do any much of anything anymore. Right. It's just like if you don't have my tape, then I can't help you. And if you want to come to my own pro yeah. day at my own college or university, yes. I'll be or there. And I might sling a little. The bit. one that my agent sets up exactly. for me to throw in a controlled environment with the guys that I'm used to throwing yes. with. Yada yes. yada yada. Yes. So to me, I mean, and you brought up a great point. We were just chatting off the air before we were setting up the topic. To you, you made it seem like it was pretty simple to point out who your offensive lineman of the future is going to be as well, right? Yeah, usually you can tell if you watch the offensive line drills, where's where's the guy's hips when he fires off? Sure. If he just if he has tight hips and stands straight up, good luck. Or a defensive end, good luck. Uh defensive lineman, good luck. If but if the guy can fire off, hips can stay level, can kind of keep his back at not a not a forty five degree angle, but I don't know, a little, a little smaller than that. And where are his shoulders? Where's the guy's head? Where's he looking? The guy's looking down when he's doing it. That guy's usually going to fail if he's able to keep his shoulders down. But keep a big, keep his shoulders down. Keep a big chest. Keep the hips low to the ground while he fires off. Mm-hmm. Then usually you you'll see a guy that can play. And so it's it's you'll and you'll even notice a couple of times per year the the Ramsey guy that came from Wisconsin a couple of years ago. And everybody that's ever played offensive line at any level of football in their entire lives looking at Ramsey at the combine and watched it and I just. And, and this my Twitter feed of any offensive lineman that I was following was like, oh man, that Ramsey kid's going to be a beast, right? It was. And I mean, he is. So it's it's a matter of can you 
you can I gave you the look because it's like if Twitter tells you, obviously, it's got to be well, true. Yeah, well, especially if it's Mitchell Schwartz and, and Jeff Schwartz and okay. people like well, that. People you know what I mean? Like, know, yes. Yeah, yeah. They, they would know this stuff. And and got the guys that run, there are a couple of different offensive line academies that I follow, the guys that run those that I, that I follow on social media. And it's just the same thing. You can tell the way that a guy fires off with that. And so those are the things I think that you can pay attention to. I do think running matters. And I don't think it means everything, but what I think it can do is disqualify a guy for the most part. Remember Mike Hart, the running back out of Michigan? Oh, yeah. Monster, right? He goes and runs, runs a 4-8. And it was just kind of a, well, he's never going to be that guy. And he's never been that guy. He's been a guy that could, he was a guy that could be in rotation for a little while, but he was just a step slow. I want to be real. The guy that everybody's pointing to from Tennessee that they're saying are just afraid his 40 times not going to get him there where he's never going to be a guy is Juwan Jennings. So um, I saw a couple people speculating that he's going to struggle to break 4-7 into the four sevens so that if he's in the four sevens, it'll be a good run for him. Otherwise he could be in the four eights. And if he's in the four eights, he probably, he probably isn't fast enough okay. to do this. Okay. So the, wait, wait, did, do you not use that as a, a chip on your shoulder? Well, I mean, if, if you're you Juwan Jennings, if you're you like, can fine, run faster, let, it's not like he hasn't trained to run this fast. You can be mad as you want to and chip on your shoulder all you want to. If you're not fast enough, you're not fast enough. Yeah. But you still can't to me. Do you still not take a bargain on somebody who can be a physical go get it wide receiver? Now, granted, it's a different level, different talent in the NFL. I would say, for me, Juwan Jennings, what I would want to do as a Giants fan, I would like the Giants to draft him late if he's there. And and now, maybe he runs better than that. Maybe he, I, I don't know that he's going to do this. I'm literally talking about Matt Miller and a couple sure. of two of the guys from Pro Football Focus were spoke, speculating on this yesterday. He can run the four sixes, and he's fine, right? But if he does run in the four high four sevens, round four eight, uh, I would like to see the Giants take him, and his frame can handle some more mass and put about 15 or 20 more pounds on him and let him be that guy that I'm a bad matchup, I'll outrun your linebackers, but I'm big enough to be able to to post up and, and destroy your safeties if you put one on me. As we head to the reset, uh, we end on this note. Tua and Justin Herbert both measured at 10-inch hands. Yes. Yeah. Which is which is really weird that... Uh, Tua, who's six foot, maybe yeah. 220, Not they two, caught him at? Yeah, yeah. Tua's jacked. I don't think people are aware of how jacked Tua is. But, he's got massive hands. Yeah, but you know Drew Brees does too. Which is really weird. Over ten inch hands. He and Russell Wilson both over ten inch hands. I don't know what that's going to mean when it comes to cold weather or where they're going to go. But if you're, if you're wondering, if you're wondering, a lot of mock drafts still have Tua as the number three pick in the draft. But with the Detroit Lions train back with the Miami Dolphins to get that pick, I wonder how much it's going to cost Miami to move up two picks to assure that they get their franchise quarterback into a tongue of Viola. 656-9900, Tyler Evans and Will West, a lot more to get into next year on 99.1, the Sports Animal. So I'm going to ask you a question. And even though we've been together for less than a year, here's co-host on the starting lineup. I feel like we're still learning so much about each other. Will West, you ever been to Mardi Gras? Uh, no, dude, of course not. Will West, you ever been to New Orleans? No, I've not. Will West, you ever been to the state of Louisiana? Uh, yes. Where are you going that's not New Orleans, uh, Louisiana? It was, it was just a, like, honestly, it was just to meet somebody and then come back. So. Yeah. I've never been to Mardi Gras. But I've been told that if you have not been to Mardi Gras, it's something you have to experience. It's kind of like Vegas. Okay, but isn't like, I'm just going to say this, and nothing against you if you like to go and have a good time, go have a good time. 
Like, isn't there a time and point and place where, like, if you're a Mardi Gras at a certain age, it's like the Ron Burgundy thing. We've been coming to the same party for 12 years straight, and it's not pathetic at all. I've been told that you need to get it all in by 35. Is that what it is? Or 18 months before you plan on having children. Now, seeing that we live in a world where you never know when you're going to have children, I'm just shooting for that whole 35 No, You probably have an idea when you're going to have a kid. You don't know that. Okay. I know. Two of my friends right now, guess what? Oh, you could have an oops. I get you. I was an oops. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah. But you know if you had relations or not, so... Yeah, but I I understand that you run that risk. You run the risk. But I'm not going to sit there and be like, lady that I I do things with and I love and I care for, you better not, because I I still got to get to Mardi Gras by the time I'm 35. (laughs) Yeah, but then you just don't go to Mardi Gras. But yeah, but then how can you say that you've never been to Mardi Gras? You just don't go to Mardi Gras. It's mm, fine. I don't know, man. But okay, like at, at this point in time, 2020, do we need another excuse to drink? Well, no, we don't, but it's the whole fact of like going down to New Orleans and like doing the whole voodoo. Just, yeah, and checking the whole thing out. Voodoo Mama We Cajun actually had thing. a guy that uh, that went when Fan he was boats. he was older and he went and what's up with a bunch of people from work and um, he somebody hit him with a baseball bat in the back of the head and stole his, stole his stuff. He's a guy work for our company. Used to be the boss over all the sports stuff. Really? Yeah, yeah. It was great. He's a great guy. Yeah, terrible story. Is he walking by himself? No, it, I think so. I think that they were all doing things, and he was trying to walk back to the hotel because it was kind of getting late in the evening. Yeah, and so I jacked him. Okay, so I'm never going to go down to Mardi Gras now. <laughs> no, it you is get a Mardi Gras. Just head, head on a swivel, dude. You know what I mean? That's the way. They, that's the way they handle that. You know what? Some of the more likable athletes, believe it or not, in our lives have been. Bigger size guys. Yeah. Call them what they are. Fat guys on Fat Tuesday. Uh, okay, of the all the fat guy things, like in football, fat guy touchdowns rad, right? Yeah, of course. We love fat guy touchdowns. Sure. Fat guy quarterback is the is the best thing ever. Fat guy punter is really awesome as well. With it being Fat Tuesday, those are my favorite fat things that can happen in sports. Didn't Penn State have a, a fat punter a couple years ago? Okay, well, okay, here's the thing. Yes, they, he, they had a fat kicker. and That's what it was, fat kicker. He had... He had a disorder where he had he couldn't stop eating. So hey, I've got that disorder too. He just like it's called leg day. Like they were watching him. Like he's just like I, it used to be really embarrassing. Now it's just like I know I have to do this to be able to function. And like he was like then it became like this whole team bonding. So he had like some like, thyroid issue or something sure, like that. I I didn't go into the details of it. I know okay. he, everybody used to give him a lot of hell when he was on road trips with people, and he'd be like, I don't care as long as I'm putting that sucker through the uprights from forty. You don't, you're you're mad at me anyway. Um. That got me thinking. Joey Julius was his name. Joey Julius. You're, oh, did you find it? Yeah, the fat kicker from, uh, yeah. From Great interview. Great interview. There, it, wouldn't, isn't it funny that a lot of these guys that you just think of off the top of your head when you think of fat athletes, they're actually really good with press. Like they have personality. Of course, unless you're, you know, it's funny. A guy who immediately comes to mind who's who I think of as a, a fat athlete in sports today who's just a complete jerk to the media and I know people here because this is a bandwagon city or know who I'm going to talk about because they front, they are front-running fans in this town. Oh, wow. Why are you ripping everybody in Knoxville? I'm not ripping everybody in Knoxville. I'm just ripping everybody who are front-runners in okay, Knoxville. Okay, there you go. Uh, do you know Phil Kessel? Yes. Phil Kessel, formerly of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yes. Everybody knows who he is because they're front-running Penguins fans in this market. Okay. So Phil Kessel was part yeah, of the most recent. Don't they hate him because he was a Penguin here in this market? Oh, no. I see Penguins... You know, I see more penguin stuff than I do predator stuff. Well, there, if you grow up of a certain age, and then then you'll yeah, you're a front one. You, you were a you front were, running friend yeah, from Knoxville, but, but you like Yarnemir Yager. But when you're six, and, and Mario Mario Lemieux, especially uh, when he overcame, have your parents teach you better? Hodgkin's, you know what I mean, disease and all that stuff. Have your parents teach you better? 
Yanomir Yager, have your parents teach you better. Yeah, but it's a lot better than certain teams that we pull for. That's fine, though, but at least we can say that we're loyal. It's true. Yeah. When I go, up to, smoke, when I go up to Smokey's Park to go get, uh, to, what is it, dollar to, what, what's dollar beer night, whatever it is, I go up there with the boys on Thursday, and I got some kid running into me with his loaded ketchup hot dog wearing Chris Bryant socks, Steph Curry t-shirt, brand new North Carolina National Championship basketball hat. <laughs> yeah, that's kids, though, man. I need, I need, kids I need, front run. I'm going to need you to take your front running butt over to the but, jump jump and uh, let me get my beer. So there's two ways that we, but there's two ways that we gain teams, right, that become our teams. One, you had an experience with them and you enjoyed it, and usually that's because the team was winning, or it was handed down from through generations, right? Oh, I'm I'm cursed. Yes. Yeah. That's why it's probably the real reason why I need to go to New Orleans so Voodoo Mama Child can. Uh, <laughs> you just forget your problems. Just you just take it all out of me for um, a second. So, but but I uh, okay. But when you're talking about fat athletes and favorite fat athletes, there is there is one that comes to mind for me that will always be my favorite fat athlete. And when he was at his best, he wasn't fat, uh, but he became fat. and He was still awesome when he was fat, and that is Charles Barkley. Of course, Charles Barkley is my favorite fat athlete of all time. Happy belated, Charles. Yes, Charles. Uh, he's my favorite analyst too, because he's the only person on network television that will say the thing that needs to be said. Some now he's wrong a lot. Don't get me wrong about when his picks and predictions and who's going to win this and who's going to win that. But when you talk about the issues surrounding a sport, there's absolutely nobody else. I don't think right now in network television that covers the sport sports at a national level that is willing to get their hands dirty. And Charles Barkley is the only person willing to say the thing that needs to be said. And so that's why he's my favorite analyst. He was one of my favorite players back in the day because he was so terrible. Though I am not a role model. <laughs> what am I supposed to say to my kids about you cursing? Well, it's your job to parent your kids, not mine. Like, I, I love the stuff that Charles Barkley, like, I loved his antics. I love the fact that, you know, Charles fought everybody. Yeah. Like, he did. Charles fought everybody from Isaiah Thomas to Shaq. Charles fought them all. And on the floor. And that guy, I just think him being like just fat and mean is what made Charles Barkley such an unbelievable success. To me, to this day, he's still the best player in the history of basketball to not have a uh, ring. And I will say there, there's, you know, how many players in the NBA right now are probably better than Charles? Two. Well, one now because Kevin Durant's hurt. But I would say everybody else in the NBA besides LeBron, Charles Barkley was a better player than. Six, and five, I don't think six. people are aware of how good Charles was. 9,900. Who's your favorite fat athlete of all time? I feel like one just recently made headlines on Saturday and just made headlines again yesterday by announcing a rematch, and we're completely missing the boat on him. Tyson Fury, right? Oh, uh, that's a good one. Can Tyson is Fury he, is not he be? fat? And would, would we say fat? Uh, Tyson Fury is not, he's not ripped. He is not ripped. He's not, he's not. So he's not it, jar muscling. But how many times have we seen lately in boxing bad body heavyweights able to handle shredded guy? Why do you think my reasoning for Tyson Fury winning the fight was going to be he just looks like an English pub guy who can just absorb yeah. fight absorb punches? You know, half the battle of fighting is being able to take a punch. The other half obviously being, of course, landing the punch. More TSL coming up on the other side on ninety nine point one, the sports animal. This is a Tennessee Education Lottery Sports Minute. Not in basketball last night. Top-ranked Kansas blew past Oklahoma State, 83-58. Number 6, Florida State. Down number 11, Louisville, 82-67. Texas knocked off number 20, West Virginia, 67-257. College football, Georgia. It's hired away. Former Alabama strength coach Scott Cochran to the Bulldog to be the Bulldog special teams coach. Cochran had been with Saban in Tuscaloosa since 2007. Former LSU great and longtime New England Patriots running back Kevin Falk has been promoted to LSU's running backs coach. 
And around the NBA, Philadelphia down Atlanta, 129-112. VFL Tobias Harris, 25 points in the win. Love Kino to go? There's more to love when you add Bullseye for a chance to win up to $300,000. Stop by any Tennessee Lottery retailer and play your way today. It's 641. Get a check at the roads. Pete Michaels traffic. Good morning. I'm Eric Kane. Final segment of hour number one of the starting lineup. 99.1. You're listening to the Esports Animal. Tyler Rivens, Will West, 656-9900, 1-866-656-9900. Got a Tennessee basketball practice report coming up for you in the next 19 minutes. Also, in the next 30 minutes, your chance to score inside the Coors Light climb to the championship. Now, love it or leave it for your Tuesday. When you break it all down, it comes to one simple question. Love it or leave it? Love it or leave it. All right, gentlemen, the basketball Vols will win at least two more games in the regular season. Love it or leave it. You know what? I love this, and I actually say they're going to do it the next two games. I feel like they get the road victory on Wednesday night against Arkansas and Fayetteville. Then I think they turn right back around next this coming weekend at home against Florida, and they pick up a dub there as well. So give me a road win in Arkansas. Give me a home win against Florida. You just said only two, and I think that's the magic number because that would be difficult to find either one more between at Kentucky, home to Auburn. Yeah, I'm going to leave this. I, I just, I, I don't think they're going to win. I think they win one more. I think they win either Florida here or at Arkansas. Uh, but I don't think they win. They beat Kentucky. I don't think they beat Auburn. Can they? Yes. Do I think they're going to be able to finish the job? I, I just don't right now. It's been a tough year. Yes. Learning learning curve year, I think, a little bit for Tennessee this year. Hand size doesn't matter for a quarterback. I'm going to leave this as well. I think it does matter. And I think it specifically matters with where you go. Now, if you're in a dome, I, I'll, I'll buy what Ainge said yesterday. And the reason why is because if you read it, Hugh Jackson has said the same thing. Scott Pioli said the same thing about Kingsbury. I think it does matter if you're in a, wet, a place that's wet weather or if you're in a place that's cold weather. I do think it matters what your hand size is and also what your throwing motion is going to be part of it as well. But I, I do think that it's... It, it is an uphill battle. Does that mean you can't survive it? No. Can you find ways around it? Like Teddy Bridgewater wears a, a second glove, right? Like he wears a glove on his throwing hand. Teddy two glove. Yeah. So it's one of the things that's helped him a little bit with him having smaller hands. Jared Goff. I don't know if Jared Goff can play in New England right now, quite honestly. Right now, we don't know if he can play in Los Angeles, but we're trying to figure <laughs> that out. Um, but I think it does matter. Is it everything? No. But does it matter? Yeah, it does. Rating Super Bowl MVP, Patrick Mahomes, nine and a quarter inch hands. Working pretty well for him, is it not? Listen, Pat Mahomes, those type of quarterbacks, they don't grow on trees, but they show that, you know what, sometimes different skill sets make you an attractive prospect for teams. I'm going to leave this as well. I think everything's going to be A-OK with our boy, Joe Burrow. Tyler, we had a conversation before the show started, which is unlike most mornings, and we're 50 minutes into the show, and you have not mentioned... The great Rick Flair's birthday that is today. It's seventy one today. For third hour of the program, but Rick okay. Flair. Flair is the greatest wrestler of all time. Love or leave it. Are you serious right now? Is Rick Flair the greatest wrestler of all time? Woo! Absolutely, he is. Sixteen times he's been atop the mountain. Sixteen times he has been world champion. And I'm not talking Space Mountain. I'm not talking about chest slaps. I'm not talking about figure fours. I'm not talking about the crimson hair, the mask, or the fact that he can not let you be first, but you can be next, Will West. Uh, I'm going to leave this. 
Leave this. Like, the problem is this. Ric Flair was in WCW, NWA at the time when wrestling became huge in the national scene. Um, so you have to tip the cap to Hulk Hogan, although Flair was Get a better worker money. than Hulk Hogan. Um, you have to tip the cap to Stone Cold Steve Austin at the time when, when the Monday Night Wars were going on, the WWE went to a completely different place because of what uh, happened with the Attitude Era. So I can't put Ric Flair there. The, the way I do it is character, work in the ring, and pro and your ability to cut a promo, right? Like, nobody's better than Bret Hart probably in the ring. Um, the best on, on a promo, is that probably The Rock? You know what? I might take The Undertaker as well. What? I might take The Undertaker as well because he was the guy that bridged the gap between... What is in this coffee this That morning? era you to the Attitude that. Era. It's, it's a matter of where he was was still a regional company, and because of that, I can't make Ric Flair number one. You don't... Come. All right, boxing is back as a nationally relevant sport. Love it or leave it. I'm going to leave this, and because here's why. Look how negative he is today. That's four I, I am. It is four straight. You're right. I didn't realize I was doing that. <laughs> uh, but but here's the thing: if Anthony Joshua and Tyson Fury fight next, that's huge, right? That's absolutely huge. But Wilder has a rematch clause in his contract, and he says he is going to enact the rematch clause. Do you want to see Wilder Fury three? You know how many people going to pay attention to Wilder Fury three? Nobody. Joshua Fury sold. Wilder Fury 3, no thank you. That's why I'm going to say that boxing's not back as a nationally relevant sport. Yeah, I'm going to have to leave this as well, too. Look, we all get caught into the whole triple crown running of horse racing or the incredible upsets that are in boxing, but the next day we're like, wasn't that fun? All right, let's go back to what we normally do on an everyday basis. Boxing, dead. Horse racing, dead. There can be some bright spots, but by no means is it up walking around and serving everybody pancakes. All right, last one this morning. Kirby Smart will never win a title at Georgia. Love it or leave it. I love this. I don't think I do not believe Kirby Smart's going to win a national championship at Georgia. You can take strength and conditioning coordinators. You can overpay offensive coordinators. You can land some of the best prospects in the country. I'm not trolling Georgia fans. I'm not. I swear I'm not. There are just some coaches that can make it to the top of the mountain, and once they get there, they slip and they fall all the way back down. Kirby Smart had his opportunity. And then Tua Tungvaloa showed up for the second half of that national title game. Yeah, I, I love this as well. He's going to have a lot of chances because he's he's that like they are that good and he is that good. He's great. And so I, I keep seeing people like in my timeline and people that are that I know around the gym and things like that that will say, "Ha ha, Kirby can't get over the hump." I'm like, dude, would we love to be where Kirby is around 100%. here? And so look, Kirby's great. The thing though is Kirby can't get out of his own way on the offensive side. So as long as Kirby still thinks I'm going to win with defense and let's have an offense that's going to be conservative and protect my defense, he will never, ever, ever win a title. You could take, you can go in a time machine like Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure and bring Bo Jackson or bring Herschel Walker back from 1980. It ain't going to happen if you're still trying to run conservative 1987 Joe Paterno offense. It ain't going to happen. That's why Kirby will never get it done. You really believe The Undertaker cuts better promos? No, 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 not cuts better promos. When I'm looking at all of them together, I don't know that I'm going to put him there as well. Now, Ric Flair's fantastic at promos, right? He's fantastic at promos. Number one with promos is probably, is it punk or is it rock? rock? It's rock. You're right. It's probably rock. Punk and Jericho are the guys behind them, right? See, I got to put Punk up there, but here's the thing. I hope people don't look at Punk just because he had that one just the fantastic pipe bomb. Pipe but there's so many other things that Punk... He, see, I think, see, I think Punk is a above-average good guy on the microphone. Oh, I think he's a mic. great guy on the mic because he's only he's one of the few that can just go. They hand the mic, go. And and he knows what he's going to talk about. It's going to be coherent. I think he's, done, he's cut a number of, of, of great promos over the years. Now, none better than the pipe bomb, but he's, he's cut a number of them over the years. I don't disagree with that.
Also, don't disagree that today on a wet day, perfect day, Will West to wear the X90. Sharon, she's got a pair of those waiting for you over at New Balance Knoxville. That's right. New Balance Knoxville, the perfect shoe, the perfect fit every single time. Stop trying to stick your foot into those scrawny shoes that some of these places have. Seriously. Go get the wide sizes they have at New Balance Knoxville. Do the fit test. Find the perfect fit for you at New Balance Knoxville. All right. We come back on the other side. Let's find out how does Tennessee find two more wins out of the last four games. Eric Kane will give us that opportunity. Plus, hey, Kaner, be sure you stand by. Next 15 minutes, somebody's going to get qualified for the Coors Light Climb to the Championship with our friends from Coors Light and us here at 99.1, the Sports Animal.